Welcome to episode 98 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian. Uh, my name is John Payne. I'm the senior minister of Christ Church, and I'm so delighted to have uh, with me here today uh, my uh, dear and longtime friend, uh, Reverend Dr. Bill Schweitzer. Great to have you here, Bill. John, it's such a privilege to be here. I'm so grateful that we could uh, get together, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. And uh, of course, our uh, people have been praying for uh, the church over in Newcastle, and uh, we've been much encouraged to see the Lord's hand of blessing upon that work and upon the new seminary. And we want to uh, talk about some of that, and let our let our people know more about the work over there and its origins. Um, but before we uh, do that, um, Bill, uh, let's learn a little bit about you uh, personally, and uh, tell us uh, a little bit about your your upbringing and um, and your education, where you went to. Uh, high school and college and, and where you did your theological training. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, so I grew up in Tampa, Florida, um, birth to, through high school, went to just a public high school there in, um, in Tampa, Florida, enlisted in the U.S. Marine Corps, uh, was enlisted just, just for about a year, and I got an ROTC scholarship. And uh, as I, in fact, we were just talking about the dinner table, everyone in my class pretty much stayed within the state of Florida. Why would you leave, you know? Um, so the big question was, is it Florida or is it Florida State? Uh, for, <laughs> but um, having already left the state as an enlisted Marine and then having gotten the RTC, uh, just these offers just come flooding in from places that I, I've never really heard of. So I eventually start looking at U.S. News and World Reports, and you find out that actually there are, you know, academic reputations and other things to think <laughs> about. And at the time, I wanted to be a physician. So I picked, A, a school that, that paid for more than just uh, the tuition, so paid also for for room, if not board, and B, that's, that had a high percentage of people going on to medical school. So I ended up going to the University of Rochester in upstate New York. And so it was quite literally one day I was putting bombs on airplanes in North Carolina. And the next day I was at an Ivy covered, you know, uh, private university in, in upstate New York. Wow. And that's where you met Pam. Yep. Uh, so she went to a nearby one called um, William Smith. And we met okay. at a university Christian fellowship retreat. So, uh, yeah, that's that's its own story. But, yeah, I met Pam up there. And how long have y'all been married? Oh, <laughs> since 97. So that's uh, 23, 23 years, years as yeah. of a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah congratulations. Thank that's, you. That's, uh, that's wonderful. So yeah, put you on the spot there. Good, good job, Bill. Good job. <laughs> um, so you went uh, from there uh, in, into where? Where did you go from? from yeah, so I'm, uh, I knew, you know, I was called to the ministry from at least my junior year and wow. had had the Marine Corps let me transfer directly to be a Navy chaplain, I would have done that, but they don't, you know, um, I needed to serve as a line officer in the Marine Corps. So I, I owed four years, but almost immediately I started taking a part-time sort of seminary work, uh, first at Covenant that, you know, being the, uh, uh, the PCA's denominational mm-hmm. seminary and then at Westminster Philly and then at RTS, Spent some time at RTS Orlando, RTS Charlotte, also RTS Virtual. Wow. wow. So that all brings me up to my last job in the Marine Corps, which was to be an exchange officer to the British forces. And they were kind enough to give me Wednesdays off to go up to Edinburgh, Scotland, um, to New College School of Divinity to do a research master's there. Okay. Okay. Now let's back up just a little bit. Tell... 
Uh, tell us about the call. You said you were a, a junior in, yeah. in college when you really sensed the Lord's calling in your life to preach. What in particular, was there something sort of dramatic or was it a yeah. gradual thing? Yeah, and I know it's different for every people, and I, I certainly do not want to trivialize the multidimensionality of yeah. a call to the ministry. Yeah. You know, there's it's the the session the presbytery eventually the congregation a lot of there's a lot of input and there's a good reason but as far as the internal call that was pretty strong and i think it was based on just the fact um of what i enjoyed doing i enjoyed being a marine but not as much as teaching the bible Hmm. i enjoyed other aspects of study Um, i enjoyed biology and chemistry but nowhere near as much as studying the Bible, you know, mm. and theology. Mm. And in those days and in the years to come when I was serving on active duty, I would steal moments to read, you know, theology books. Mm. And, uh, you know, so I was most happy when I was teaching, most happy when I was evangelizing. We had, you know, small groups that we'd go mm. downtown and try to evangelize. And um, our efforts were feeble, but um, I enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, so that, that sense of call originates there. Yeah, and of course, uh, for our listeners, uh, you mentioned the inward call. We as Reformed Presbyterians believe in both an inward and an outward call, uh, and that you don't, you're not really called unless you have both of those, yeah, right? That's that, right. Uh, there's this idea in evangelicalism that if you feel like you're called to the ministry, then it must be so. But uh, we do not believe that, and historically Protestants have not believed that, that you must have not only the inward component, compulsion to to serve uh but also the external call which comes from the church and they they affirm that call by seeing the gifts in your life and then of course you actually receive a call from a church eventually that's right. to that's uh, right to preach. So, so you don't i wouldn't uh, uh you know um i would say i wanted to do that i had that desire i probably wouldn't have even have used the language of i know i'm called to the ministry because yeah. there was a certain level of recognition right. that uh, you know the church gets more than a vote in in this right yeah. so you're in edinburgh you're studying at uh, new college uh school of divinity um where we are both uh graduates and we're doing this secret handshake yes, that's that right. you guys can't see but that's right uh, yeah all of us new college uh, graduates know that, that's right if you make a hundred thousand dollar donation to the new renovation project you can learn that handshake we will give you uh, insight into that but in all seriousness um so you you're you're at you're studying uh at new college and where do we go from here that was our question as well because uh so i'd left after i completed the two uh, it was a two-year part-time research master's, and I finished that. If you had, if I had uh, somehow won the lottery, uh, not that I would participate in the lottery because that's um, that's gambling, but if somehow I'd, I'd gotten a hundred million dollars, and I could do anything I wanted to do, I would have done a PhD in systematic theology on Jonathan Edwards. Mm. You know, that was what I wanted to do. And so having left that, um, my, my big plan was to do precisely that. So it was, um, it was because of the groundwork of having done that research master's that, um, that Edinburgh was on, this, on the basis of that able to offer me you know, a paid studentship to carry on wow. as a PhD. So I resigned my commission 
and uh, became a, a graduate student. Okay, and then how did you get connected with the fine folks uh, in New- Newcastle Gateshead? So during this time, and I, I want to just, uh, every, at every opportunity when I ever have an opportunity to talk about my life, I mentioned I made a mistake, which is I accepted the orders to the UK without giving sufficient consideration of the church. Don't do that. You know, mm. um, and I, I counsel my people, uh, the most important thing is, is the church. And if you don't have a, a good church to go to in the area, don't take the job no matter how tempting it is. Well, um, I just presumed that England was much like America, and surely there's a good church around the corner somewhere, but um, there wasn't. So we had to travel 75 minutes each way to Durham, to the uh, Durham Presbyterian Church. But, you know, that little church, very, very faithful little church, had a vision for planting other churches. And they were one of the original three Evangelical Presbyterian Church in England and Wales, um, the original three of that denomination. And so uh, we became good friends with the Winches, John and Julie Winch. Mm -hmm. And uh, one day they just had us at their house, as they frequently did, hospitality being such a a major theme. And they said, are you completely lost? Because I was being recruited by MTW to go do theological education in Eastern Europe. That's right. I forgot about that. You know, yeah. uh, and they said, are you, are you Bulgaria, lost to that? Bulgaria, was it? Um, either Bulgaria or Romania was okay. the question that was still okay. kind of open-ended. Uh, and that was Dave Garner there? That's right. Yeah. So Dave Garner was uh, TE3. He was coordinating that effort. So that? yeah, we're, it's, it's kind of cool. Wow. Ed Hartman was also the, the leader of that okay. region. Um, so the question was, you know, which, which country, but, uh, yeah. So our paperwork at MTW already had it. The application was going in. I, I think it probably said Romania. And, uh, so we, um, we went into that conversation thinking, not a hundred percent convinced, but thinking we were going to, I was going to teach theology in Eastern Europe. I left that conversation at the Winch's house that night, knowing for certain I was called to plant a church in Newcastle and Gateshead. Wow. Wow. And for our listeners who aren't sure, uh, really familiar with the geography, when we talk about Newcastle, Gateshead, what do you, what yeah. do you mean by that? So, um, it's a, as you travel, you know, London is in the south, and um, Newcastle is the last major city before the Scottish border. Mm-hmm. So as you're driving up or taking the train, you pass Newcastle on your way to Edinburgh. So it's roughly, if you, you, know, you count it, the uh, aggregation of communities is about a million people. Right, and right across the River Tyne would be Gateshead. Right, so it's like Buda and Pest, Tampa, St. Petersburg, Newcastle. So Newcastle is the more major city, city and Gateshead is kind of the the, the slightly lesser one. But uh, yes, um, Gateshead was the precise place that we because there really was no good church in Gateshead, Mm. Um, certainly not a confessional church. And uh, so that's where we made our plans to plant a church, and the Lord blessed it. Wow, and what year was that? So the conversation happened in uh, 06, and the Bible okay. study began in 07, okay. and the church began in 09. So nothing happened overnight. It okay. all took a while. Okay, wow. So yeah. 11 years Yeah. the church. Yeah, so just so our listeners understand, this uh, wonderful work that's going on now with the Evangelical Presbyterian Church of England and Wales denomination, 
Um, it's, uh, I believe, uh, one of the largest, if not the largest church now in the, in the denomination. And it, it began as an idea and a prayer uh, in Durham. And, um, and then, of course, the church was planted in 2009 in Newcastle. And uh, now there's a wonderful uh, growing congregation that I personally have, have known for probably most of its uh, existence, really. Um, I've been oh, coming yeah, over there and, yeah. and know many of the, the congregants there and, and have become good friends. And, um, and uh, something marvelous, of course, uh, happened uh, just uh, a couple of years ago, or less than that, I guess, probably a year and a half, uh, connected to this <laughs> All Souls, or All Saints, rather, uh, church uh, right there on the river. Uh, on the Newcastle side, and tell our listeners yeah, about yeah. how so, that all worked out. Let me just say, uh, the Lord blessed this from the beginning. So um, it is, uh, it, it's true. Yeah, in terms of attendance, uh, we became the largest church in the denomination um, this last year. We praise God for it, but we would wish that you know a revival, a true revival, would come, and that um, every one of the the churches would be be larger than what we are. Um, it's not much in the grand scheme of things, and there are many souls to be saved. But uh, with respect to, so the Lord blessed from day one uh, in his goodness, the church in every single way. And every and the one thing he withheld from us was a church building, and it was always a puzzlement to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we spent years, first of all, we were in the, the world's ugliest venue I mean, John, please tell me I'm not lying. It is, it's pretty ugly. <laughs> it's pretty ugly. <laughs> the Lovely Hill Community Center, uh, some sort of, you know, 1960s communist dream of, of oppressive, you know, <laughs> brutalist yeah. concrete structures. But, um, you know, the Lord blessed us in it, of course, but mm-hmm. it wasn't an appropriate place for reform worship. Yes. And it wasn't, we were actually outgrowing it towards the end. Yeah. And we were also getting, feeling um, the, the kind of push to, to leave. They were not very welcoming towards the end and really wanted us gone. Um, so we prayed, we prayed. We, we looked at all kinds of things for six or seven years straight. We just investigated every empty church, certainly, of any denomination, but also uh, old schools. We empty, understand completely. <laughs> empty lots, pubs, yes. restaurants. And all of our it. people listening to this completely understand, Bill. Yes. And we had all these near misses, you know, and like, yeah. oh, we you know, could have had this, we could have had the other, and so Same. forth. And we... We even spent money looking at this one particular um, near vacant lot uh, kind of uh, situation. But anyways, the Lord kept saying no, 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 no. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, you remember you and I looking out from the Gateshead side across the way. And they are rising from the shore of the Tyne to the right of the building is this magnificent Georgian building, All Saints. And, uh, Which architects would say is one of the most magnificent architectural structures in all of the north of England. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> and and those who know would say, in terms of Georgian architecture in particular, it is either you know um, either the the finest or second finest Georgian church building in the country. So yeah, it's 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 amazing. Um, so you decided to stop in there one day. Yeah, yeah. So after all this, we just said, you know what? The Lord has not seemed pleased to pick all of our, you know, to bless all of our small plans. So let's let's go for it. <laughs> let's go for the gusto. So I uh, I get a hold of the number, call this guy. Because you know that nobody's currently in there. 
using the building. All we had heard is that there was some ancient Catholic church that was using it for a time, and that there was flood damage. It all sounded very dire, yeah. and you know, I, but we called and we said, "Hey, are there any plans for All Saints?" This is a tiny word building preservation society, and and the woman on the phone said, "Oh yeah, there are big plans. You didn't know. It's front page news. Uh, you know, it's the diocese. The bishop of, of Durham, uh, bishop of Newcastle, sorry, has gotten money from the archbishop to the tune of I think two point eight million to make a new resource church, and yeah. there that's it's all saints, and it's all yeah, it's huge. I can't believe you haven't heard." I said, ah, "Yeah, again, a yeah. no. I, well, I was yeah. re- so put down the phone." Five minutes later, five minutes later, her boss calls the chairman of it and says, um, yeah, all that thing we were just talking about, it, it just fell through. In that, and I later, you know, we became good friends. Um, in wow. fact, he was our project manager. Okay. And uh, he told me, yeah, Bill, it was that same day that our plans that we were working on for a year and a half were completely shot down by Isn't the Historic something? So... Uh, he said, you want to come see it? And, and Wednesday, that happened on Monday. Wednesday we saw it. By Friday, the council had offered the building to wow. us. And we do not believe that was coincidence. <laughs> God's hand of providence God was so good. clearly seen in this. Praise the Lord. And that was the beginning of many other blessings as well, that the Lord enabled us. Uh, I mean, initially the price tag to fix it up was about a quarter of a million. By the end of all that, it was a million pounds, $1.25 million. And the Lord gave us every bit of that. Wow. Man, praise the Lord. God is good. It's really amazing. And um, I had the privilege of of participating in that that opening service and being there with the the church family. And it was just glorious. I mean, just something I'll never forget. Um, Praise the Lord uh, for His goodness and His provision. Um, And I remember at that service you praying very boldly that the Lord would give us a building as well. We'd been praying with you all. You all had been praying for us and the Lord had blessed you. We were still kind of in limbo, really about the same. We planted our churches in similar, you know, not too, well, I guess you started a little earlier than we did, but um, you'd been walking with us through the whole thing, oh, yeah. seven years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the Lord answered our prayers and answered your prayers for us. Um, I and, love that. Uh, I love that mutuality and I'm so thankful for it. Yeah, it's been a blessing to support the work of the of the church there at All Saints. And, of course, the, the church name has gone from Gateshead Presbyterian Church to All Saints Presbyterian Church in order to adopt the, uh, the historical nature of, of this building and uh, makes perfect sense. Everybody knows it as All Saints that, in that Absolutely. downtown yeah. area. Uh, so some some proper contextualization, uh, <laughs> yeah, right, and uh, mission there. Um, but as as you so so here here we are. You know this this started as a an idea, a prayer in Durham, England, back in two thousand seven. Uh, the Lord called you. He affirmed your work with blessing, and and now here you are. You're in this one of the most beautiful church buildings in all of the north of England, um, and. Uh, has your has your uh, philosophy of ministry uh, changed from day one to today? Is it, is it going to change because you're in this new building in, da- in downtown Newcastle, <laughs> right? You. Yes, now you know I'm prodding you, of yeah, course, yeah. but um, and our, our, uh, all of our listeners will, will know I'm yeah. prodding you. But um, talk about that mm-hmm. a little bit because a lot of you know cool hipster church planner types would say, "Oh, you got this building. You're in downtown." Newcastle, one of the you know most up and coming cities in the UK. Like, 
what are you going to do to 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 really yeah, well, get people's attention? As always, every false teaching has an element of truth. There's always an element of truth. And um, if we're talking about in terms of seizing the opportunities that God has given to us, then we ought to do that. The, the issue is just what has he given us to do anything at all? And the only thing that he's given to us is a means of grace. He's given us the word of God. He's given us the sacraments and he's given us prayer. Now, we have more opportunities to deliver those means into people's hands, into the community, because we have this building. We have a platform to, to do it more. But we don't change at all uh, the nature of that ministry. You know, um, So we have a persistent presence. We have a visible presence. And therefore, we have different ways of, of bringing people to hear the, God, the Word of God. Yeah. But that doesn't change. That that's the, the only objective is that's the right. Word of God. And in Acts 20, which I preached on this morning uh, in, in, in morning worship, uh, Paul speaks of uh, having received the ministry from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the ministry is something entrusted to us. We mm-hmm. don't make it up. We are stewards. We're of stewards the of, of the mysteries of God. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, so it's not about us being innovative um, uh, and about having ingenuity uh, and being creative. It's about us fulfilling uh, the the mission that has been given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, which is to preach the word of God faithfully, to preach Christ from the whole counsel of God, to administer the sacraments, to pray and to shepherd God's people, and then and to make disciples that will then go out and be salt and light, right? around. around and you know, whether we had remained the smallest church in the denomination in our ugly community center or, you know, things have turned out the way they are, at the end of the day, we're not, none of that, the outcomes aren't in our hand, and we're not going to be judged by the outcomes. We're going to be judged by the living God who says, I've given you a mission. I made you a steward over a precious gift, the Word of God. I made you a, a, a steward over the gospel itself, and what have you done with that? Yeah. Now, whether the soil is hard or whether the soil is fertile, that's in His hands. Yes. You do what is in your yes. hands. And that's the beauty of the ordinary means of grace ministry. It does not matter where you are. Um, you can, in good conscience, do what is in your hand to do and leave the outcomes to God. Amen. And so one of the concerns, of course, in England is uh, where are men going to go study for the ministry? Uh, so many of the yeah. sort of historic... Uh, institutions that have trained ministers uh, in the past 100 years in Britain have, have gone liberal. They no longer believe in the inerrancy and inspiration and infallibility of the scriptures. Hence, uh, once you strip the Bible of, of that, you strip the Bible of its authority. And so then uh, the Christian message becomes some message, some vain and superficial message of hope and love and uh, where there are no morals and, you know, you just sort of get to make it up as you go. Uh, you know, uh, so so you have, um, with other men in the denomination, helped to establish a new seminary, Westminster Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Tell our listeners a bit about that. Yeah, well, I can say that I, at the time of the starting of the church, I thought, well, that's the end. You know, I'm not going to be a a theological educator. That part of my life is gone. (laughs) Precisely for that reason. You know, people used to go to the UK to, you know, get their seminary degrees from other places. But, you know, time um, takes its toll, and seminaries have a shelf life. Unfortunately, they don't all last over time. But I would say even more than that, more specifically, England lacked 
a confessional Presbyterian seminary since the very early 20th century. The original Westminster, by the way, uh, wasn't the one in Philadelphia, it was the one in England. Um, Westminster College, which was, um, you know, uh, founded deep in the, uh, you know, early 19th century, and by the end of that century had moved to Cambridge, and there was a controversy, should we move to Cambridge, should we mm. accept this offer? And maybe it'll go liberal, and it did go liberal. So, <laughs> how um, long did that take? It took one generation. Yeah, mm. maybe twenty-five years, and they were fully mm. liberal. So, unfortunately, um, this the home of the Westminster Presbyterian, uh, the home of the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Westminster Standards, lacked a seminary to adhere and teach those standards for a long time, nearly a century. Mm. So. Um, that alone is reason enough to establish a new, new seminary. Yeah, so this seminary has really just been constituted in a very real way here recently. Um, you've been named president of the seminary. Um, you'll, you'll have that along with being senior minister of the, of the church. You'll be uh, acting president of the seminary. Um, and, uh, and John Winch... Uh, yeah, so that guy who who said, you know, are, lo- are you lost to theological education, or can we get you as a ch- church planner? And in, in essence, hired me to be his church planner. Yes. Now he's going to be the executive director of the of the seminary, which we praise God. For. Yes. So praise the Lord for that. Um, and uh, you've w- we've already seen some students really progressing, and will be mm-hmm. church planters uh, in the yeah. future in England. And, and it's a hugely strategic work because, as as you, what you're saying, church planters don't grow on trees. And so long as England, the English churches, had to send their their men off somewhere else to get a confessional Presbyterian uh, education, Presbyterianism was not going to flourish in England itself. It's always got to be that the nation's, the national church's top priority has got to be to establish uh, a confessional seminary so that um, we have these men, you know, that are going to stay in their native land and yeah, the Lord has um, has blessed, but it it is a difficult, difficult work. I'm so thankful. Um, yes, one of the, one part of the news is that we we appointed an executive director, but also that you're now part of the board, which mm. we're so thankful for. Mm. And may the Lord enable us to uh, to uh, to be faithful. That's Amen. item number one. Is just the star- struggle to remain faithful. But item number two is. Um, you know, to be turning out a faithful ar- little army of men yeah. who are able to preach this word of God faithfully, yeah. and and who believe, yeah, and who believe that word and the power of the gospel uh, for the salvation of men. Um, that that's getting harder and harder to find. Our yeah. courageous men who are willing to have the kind of ministry that Paul describes in Acts twenty. It's a good point, man, and I, I want to say that we hope that's going to be one of our distinctives. It's not. Yes, in addition to, and we're not going to take for granted theological orthodoxy, but it's not just a head knowledge, it's the character that goes along with it. Not e- and, and in terms of, of personal piety and godliness, and also in terms of leadership and yes. boldness, we, if it doesn't do us any good, if you know, you know all, all the contents of Scripture and of the orthodox system of theology, if you're too timid to actually preach these things yeah. when the winds are contrary. Yes, yes. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, for our listeners who are interested in learning more about All Saints Presbyterian Church uh, in Newcastle, England, uh, you can certainly Google that and uh, find their website and all their resources. 
Uh, and, and also, uh, you'll, you may want to know more about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church of England and Wales, which has congregations um, all over uh, England. And uh, we, of course, as a church, support uh, the new church planting work with Andy Young in Oxford. Amen. Thank you. And, uh, and then Josh Rieger's work up in Hexham, Kevin Bidwell's work in Sheffield. Mm. And, of course, we are uh, very uh, much... Um, uh, praying for the rest of the denomination as well for a, a faithful gospel witness uh, in the UK. Uh, we owe much uh, to the UK here in America and the witness that was brought here to us. And uh, it's time that we uh, are uh, showing the love back, uh, reciprocal love and encouragement. Uh, so we're so thankful, Bill, to have you with us. And to I'm glad you'll be preaching God's word to us tonight in our evening service. And uh, I know it'll be a blessing for our people. Uh, thanks so much, Bill. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, and we'll I'll be with you next time on Between the Times.